oppressed and more free. They were safer than we are today in America. That's not hyperbole. I mean, if you want, if you go back and look honestly at the, the grievances that were enumerated by the colonists as their rationale for going to war and declaring independence from England, well, I think you'll find that Many of those grievances listed then apply today, and those that do apply today, well, we're experiencing, experiencing those grievances, grievances in a much more severe fashion than we even did back then. If you even want to take one issue, like taxation without representation, that issue alone, I mean, the taxation that the, the colonists were were having to pay, the taxes, the tax burden on the colonists uh, was much less than it is on Americans today. The debt continues to rise. I mean, we don't have representation anywhere. I mean, yeah, sure, we elect these leaders, but they don't have any American interest at heart. I mean, they pay for these programs through their budgets and through budget reconciliation. I mean, look at this infrastructure bill. Obviously, it hasn't been passed yet, and we've got some news on that today in which Joe Biden and, of course, six rhinos have agreed to go along with this infrastructure bill as it stands. But, of course, Nancy Pelosi is already threatening that she won't even pass this infrastructure bill if the Republicans won't concede and compromise again to give her a bunch of other goodies they want. Some of this Green New Deal garbage and so on and so forth. And that's the thing about the Democrat Party. They never, ever compromise. When they say compromise, they mean us give them everything and they give us nothing time and time again. But here we go again with, with another bill coming out of Congress that they're trying to push through that will raise our deficit and our debt. I mean, it's already hovering around $30 trillion. We know what that's going to mean in the future. We've got interest rates that are being superficially uh, kept low. Inflation is coming. And we have no one doing anything about it to prevent the disaster that's going to come. I mean, for God's sake, folks, the, the, the colonists, the founding fathers in the Revolutionary War, you know, they were upset about, you know, tea. They were upset about the very idea that King George III could potentially raise their taxes whenever and as often as he liked to pay for foreign wars that didn't even affect the colonists, that, that dealt with affairs that were an ocean away, that had no impact on them, and they felt like they didn't have a voice. But what voice do we have today? 
I mean, this country is going down the toilet. And, you know, these, these Democrats have, well, it's even in the Senate, for example. It's literally 50-50, but they are behaving as if they have some supermajority. I mean, there are so many instances in which the American people overall, when they do these polls, are at odds with what the Democrat Party is trying to ram down our throats, but they don't care. Is that representation? No. No, they're, they're going full steam ahead with an agenda that is anti-American, that is destroying our future and our children's future. That's not representation. And I've got some stories here that should uh, send a chill down your spine, to be honest. They send a chill down my spine. So anyway, here we have Biden saying that the U.S. is more divided than at any time since the Civil War. And it's the first thing he said that I agree with. But of course, the reason that he wants to submit is that Donald Trump is to blame for where we are. <laughs> These people are, uh, are absolutely shameless. I want to read a quotation here from, from Joe Biden about this, all right? The third reason, this is Joe Biden, I was running for president was to unify the country. <laughs> well, folks, it's never been as divided as it is today, never been as divided as it, as it is today since the Civil War, Biden said in remarks in Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, it's interesting as the Democrats search in vain for the root causes of everything plaguing the country, the root cause of violence, the root cause of these surges and criminal activity in our Democrat-run cities throughout the country, as they search for the root cause of, you know, unbridled, unrestrained, uh, illegal immigration at our border. Well, they keep searching for the causes, but... You know, if they actually wanted to look for the root cause of all of these problems that ail us and threaten to bring this country to her knees, they would look in the mirror. But that would be a frightful sight indeed, folks. If you look like some of these Democrats, the last thing you'd want to do is look in the mirror as well. The only thing I miss about the mask mandates and the masking theater that took place in this country and the halls of our hallowed Congress are the fact that we got a respite from looking at people like Nancy Pelosi. We got a respite from looking at all these, well, I hate to say it, but these ugly politicians. Uh, so now the masks are off, and we're back to being punished, not just with our policies, but with having to look at their ugly faces. Um, you know, the Revolutionary War... As I was saying, and I do believe this, it's true. Um, the colonists under King George III were less threatened in their day-to-day -day lives than we are today. We have absolutely irresponsible targeting of American citizens by these Democrat politicians that are continuing to push this dangerous lie of the January 6th insurrection, for example, to target Republicans and Trump supporters as domestic terrorists. We've got, I've got a story here today, folks, that another police officer was targeted, ambushed, and killed. 
And of course, the Democrat Party has nothing to say about this. I mean, you know, we're at a point here when he talks about the Civil War. What was interesting about the Civil War, of course, is what is that the, the, the line was drawn in the sand and there was no compromise. Abraham Lincoln, of course, famously said himself, this country will become all thing or another. And that's true today. You know, we as Americans have a decision to make today. You know, I remember when Rush Limbaugh said something interesting on an episode amidst, um, I believe it was in L.A., where two rookie police officers were sitting in their vehicle, minding their own businesses, and an individual, an animal, walked up and shot them through the glass point blank and killed them. And of course, individuals were celebrating in the streets that these pigs were dead. And Rush said something interesting that, you know, we're at a point where you've got to choose sides. You're either for the police or you're for these cop killers. And today we have a choice to make too, just as we did during the Civil War. You're either for America or against America. And really what that boils down to is you're either for America or you're for the Democrat Party. Because the Democrat Party is indisputably, undeniably anti-American. They are the greatest threat to this nation. And that's the truth. If you notice, too, all the white supremacists seem to be in the Democrat Party. Uh, they're the ones who belong to all-white exclusive country clubs. They're the ones that spit out this racist garbage from their mouths. It's Hunter Biden who uses the N-word with his lawyer. It's Joe Biden who repeatedly continues to make racist claims and, and offend black Americans, suggesting that they're too stupid and this and that. You know, he said something, we'll get to a story here in a minute too, about how uh, the reason they're not being vaccinated is because they're fearful because they've been experimented on too much in the, in the past. No, you know what, Joe, maybe, maybe black Americans don't want to get the vaccine for the same reason I don't want to get the vaccine. Because, yeah, I do distrust the government. Or maybe they just want to exercise their individual right. Maybe they don't feel like it's COVID's a threat to them. Maybe they don't want to get the vaccine. Maybe it's as simple as that, Joe. But no, for Joe, it's uh, always about race because he's a racist and the Democrat Party's a racist. But I want to tell you something. You know what, you know what the colonists didn't have to worry about in uh, the years preceding the Revolutionary War? They didn't have to worry about, well, being targeted for nothing about having their lives ruined. But there is a similarity here, and I want to I tell you something. If what I'm about to read to you had happened during the Revolutionary, Revolutionary War era, in those years preceding it, this story I'm going to read you would have likely have set off the Revolutionary War just as the gun grab from King George III set off the Revolutionary War. Now remember, Prior to it breaking out, and the first battles, of course, unofficially took place in Lexington and Concord. That is when Paul Revere rode from Boston, the outskirts of Boston, to warn colonists that 800 British troops were marching into Lexington and Concord to seize and destroy a stash, a cache of weapons and ammunition that the colonists had, and to make arrests. And of course, that famous ride in which Paul Revere rode to warn them, 
Well, he was successful in alerting them. And the Minutemen, you know, the militia back then, back then, the colonists, they were called Minutemen because at a minute's notice they could gather. Well, they stood their ground to defend their right to have those arms. And um, bloodshed ensued, and that started the Revolutionary War. Because King George III sent troops to steal their weapons and arrest and make arrests. Well, what do we have happening today after January 6th? I want to read a headline. I'm going to read this story to you, but don't worry. I'll use my greatest actor instincts, abilities, and training to keep you engaged as only I can. So here's the headline from the New York Post. Are you ready for this? FBI tears innocent New Yorkers' life into shreds after January 6th. Joseph Bolanos is this gentleman's name. He was a pillar of his community. He was president of his Upper West Side Block Association for the past 23 years. He looked out for his neighbors during the pandemic. He dropped off masks and kept extra heaters in his rent-controlled apartment for seniors. He raised morale with a weekly street dance to show his support for essential workers. This man is a great man, a giving man, an American citizen. He was a Red Cross volunteer after the 9-11 attacks. He's a 69-year-old man. Um, he once received a police commendation for heroism after saving a woman from being mugged. He's unmarried and he cares for his 94-year-old mother. And he was a well-loved character in the quiet residential area where he lives. But now his neighbors, are you ready, think he is a domestic terrorist. What did he do? What did he do? What does this have to do with uh, January 6th, the so-called insurrection? Well, guess what? He attended President Donald Trump's rally in Washington, D.C. But guess what? He never entered the Capitol. He was in a friend's room at the JW Marriott, a 30-minute walk away when the Capitol breach occurred. But it doesn't matter. He was there, you see. So he was raided in February by the FBI Anti-Terrorism Task Force. He was handcuffed, paraded, and detained for three hours while his apartment was ransacked and all his devices confiscated. Four months later now, okay, he hasn't been charged and he doesn't have his devices back, but his neighbors are shunning him. You know, this is what he said, and this is heartbreaking. I want you to think about this, the 69-year-old citizen of the year in New York, in the Upper West, Upper West Side. Joseph Bolanos. It's destroyed my reputation, he says. I'm not a violent invader. I do not condone the criminality and violence on January 6th whatsoever. Well, the FBI told Bolanos he was raided because of a tip to the January 6th hotline. Okay, I want to stop there for, except for a second because we just had it come out. Joe Biden is pushing American citizens to rat out anyone they believe is a domestic terrorist. And I made a little bit of a joke, a quip, in a previous episode in which I suggested, you know, next thing you know, your niece is going to be turning you into the FBI at Thanksgiving because you don't support Joe Biden and Marxism. And that's not far from the truth because that's what happened here. And of course, the current administration and this Democrat party wants to make it easier and easier. You know, with a click of a button, you can probably go on Twitter and report somebody is where they want to go with this. As easy as that, just a click. Label you a domestic terrorist, and the next thing you know, you're going to be like Joe, you're going to be like Bolanos here and have the FBI raid your house. So here we go. The FBI told Bolanos he was raided because of a tip to the January 6th hotline. 
Who did this? Who tipped off? Well, a neighbor said he had overheard Bolanos boasting about being at the Capitol. Do you understand that? He just said he was at the Capitol. And the next thing you know, he's turned in. Because this guy is a liberal Marxist commie son of a gun. And he is the antithesis of an American. And because this guy revealed that he was in the Capitol, he turned him into the FBI. And the FBI, did they follow up with this lead? Did they look into it to figure out before they did this? No, of course not. And you'll find out how they didn't do any research, apparently, next. So an FBI agent phoned Bolanos the Sunday after the riot and left a message. Bolanos returned the call the next day but never heard back. There you go, folks. At the time, Bolanos was staying in his mother's apartment. I told you he was taking care of his, his elderly mother. And uh, on February 4th, four FBI agents arrived unannounced and interviewed him for 25 minutes. They asked him if he was a member of BLM, Antifa, or the Proud Boys. He said no. Can you imagine? This guy did nothing wrong. He just happened to be in the Capitol. He attended the Trump rally, but wasn't even, he wasn't parading. He wasn't inside the halls. He was at his hotel room because he left the rally early because Bolano said it was getting boring. And these FBI agents are in there asking him if he's a member of BLM, Antifa, or the Proud Boys. Well, that's interesting. Why would they ask him if he's a member of BLM or Antifa? I mean, you know, those guys are the ones that are burning down the streets uh, elsewhere. Seems like a stupid question the way the narrative goes. Anyway, so he told them what happened. He said he took a train to Washington on January 6th, and he arrived to meet a friend who'd flown from California with a girlfriend to watch Trump's speech. He said he filmed the crowd, and he described the crowd as friendly. It was like a political Woodstock, he says. Now, Bolanos, of course, is a registered Democrat, but he calls himself an independent at heart. He liked Trump's policies, but was never a Trump fanatic. So, Bolanos told FBI agents the timing, he gave them video, he told them uh, uh, with evidence, you know, that he was not there. And uh, he told the FBI agents everything, okay? He gave them a video compilation of the film he, he, he made on his camera or his phone um, of a... Of, of whatever was going on there, peaceful people walking around and his presence and where he was in this grand situation. So he showed them everything they needed. Despite this, the next Thursday at 6 a.m., he was awakened in his mother's apartment by a loud banging. I open the door and there's about 10 tactical police soldiers and one is pointing a rifle at my head. They had a battering ram and crowbar. 10 tactical police soldiers. One's pointing a rifle at his head. They have a battering ram and a crowbar. They had a search warrant, of course. It was issued by a corrupt district judge. His name's Gabriel Gorenstein, which named Bolanos as the target su subject. They break down his, his front door, and the warrant that they had authorized the federal agents to seize his property's evidence relating to crimes, including obstruction of Congress, civil disorders, conspiracy to impede assault federal agents, interstate travel to participate in riot, and unlawful entry on restricted buildings or grounds. He was never on those grounds. He was never in the building, but it doesn't matter. And NBC, of course, just happened to be there to film this event. To film him being taken outside, handcuffed, and interrogated for four hours. This guy started feeling sick because of the pressure, okay? His blood pressure was going through the roof because he let them know he was feeling sick. They admitted him to Mount Sinai. He had suffered a stroke. 
Thousands of law-abiding Americans went to Washington on January 6th to see the president speak, just like Bolanos. They weren't involved. They weren't any of the hundred or hundred-plus people that were, that were supposedly in the insurrection crowd. But what we have is a witch hunt. This is what happens in totalitarian regimes like Nazi Germany and China. It's about the silencing of the political opposition. It's about scaring you and me. And the FBI is involved. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, the Democrat Party is involved in this. And they're pushing this and continuing to push it. And when I get back, it's going to get even more serious. I'm going to let you know what Nancy Pelosi is up to. So hang with me. We're going to be right back. This is Drew Allen. This is Drew Allen, the uh, 34-year-old wonder kid, millennial, the voice of confident conservatism, broadcasting to you from the communist state of California, where I choose to live so that I can be on the forefront of what's in store for the rest of the country, where I can witness myself the de devastation and destruction that awaits America should you go the way of California. So we've got a witch hunt going on in this country. We've got an all-out effort by the Democrat Party to destroy their political opposition, which is you and me, Republicans, conservatives, and frankly, just anybody who loves America. I am going to actually play a clip for you of Nancy Pelosi because she has now, of course, we know that, you know, they couldn't get enough votes to go along with an official witch hunt like a 9-11 commission. So, of course, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats never stop. They never give up. It doesn't matter if they're opposed. They find another way, a back door. So she's establishing, of course, a committee now to figure out what the root causes of the Capitol insurrection were. And it's really hilarious, folks, because, you know, Nancy Pelosi, you'll hear, uh, you know, she's already gone out and said the root causes were white supremacy, anti-Semitism, and Islamophobia. That's right. Apparently, the January 6th insurrection crowd, um, who were... I don't know. I mean, they were getting a tour of the Capitol. I don't know what that has to do with white supremacy, anti-Semitism, or Islamophobia. I mean, obviously, the anti-Semitism uh, belongs to the Democrat Party. They're the ones who uh, are pro-Palestinian and anti-Israel. They're the ones uh, who are in the streets of New York and Beverly Hills uh, assaulting innocent Jews who are trying to dine and go about their lives. But anyway... I mean, it seems like Pelosi has it figured out because they're pushing the narrative that white supremacy is the greatest threat to our democracy, and the only evidence they have of that, which is not evidence at all, is January 6th. And so while they simultaneously say, well, white supremacy and January 6th go together like peanut butter and jelly, 
she's still investigating it and trying to figure out what the root cause is. I don't understand this, but let's listen to uh, Nancy Pelosi. Um, thank God you can't look at her face. You just have to hear her awful voice. But as you know, she's got the ping pong eyeballs. You can picture this with me. Her face doesn't move because of its Botox. Uh, but anyway, nonetheless, she, she miraculously can still formulate a relatively coherent sentence, which is more than could be said of Joe Biden, which we'll get to him in a little bit. The disgrace that is the, well, supposed president of the United States. But here's Nancy Pelosi. This morning, with great solemnity and sadness, uh, I'm announcing that the House will be establishing a select committee on the January 6th insurrection. With great sadness? Does she sound... Sad to you that she's announcing a committee to investigate the January 6th insurrection? No, no, she's giddy with excitement. This is what she was born to do. Destroy the country, divide America, and um, target innocent Americans and label them domestic terrorists uh, for her own political gain. But anyway, well, here we go. We'll, We'll let Nancy Pelosi continue as she solemnly tells us about her plans to arrest all of us. Again, January 6th was one of the darkest days in our nation's history. I've said it now three times. It is imperative that we establish the truth of that day and ensure that an attack of that kind cannot happen and that we root out the causes of it all. Well, I've got to stop again and interject because, of course, I don't want to lose my audience to the boring um, nature of Nancy Pelosi to put you all asleep and make you tune out of this broadcast. Um... But of course, so she wants to get to the truth of all of this. Um, well, this is all bogus, by the way, because, you know, what is the root cause, for example, of BLM? What's the root cause of Antifa? What are the root causes of 100 days straight of rioting in Portland by Antifa? What are the root causes of BLM leaving 17 dead in their wake immediately following the death of George Floyd. What are the root causes of that? That is the question because as we've established, and you know because you're actually intelligent and free thinking, you don't buy the propagandist lies of the left when you can see the truth with your own eyes. You're not dependent upon them for facts. Well, of course, Ashley Babbitt again was the only individual who died of unnatural causes on January 6th. So despite all of this BS about how dangerous January 6th was, well, only one American citizen, a female, was killed by a Capitol Police officer in the January 6th insurrection. No one else died apart from dying of strokes and and, and natural causes, okay? Only Ashley Babbitt was killed. And you, you, you compare that to the, the devastation that happened over the last year uh, that were Democrats that were destroying minority businesses and, well, murdering innocent Americans who oftentimes, so often, were minorities themselves. Well, please, we've got a problem not with white supremacy, but with BLM and Antifa and the Democrat Party. The select committee will investigate and report on the facts and the causes of the attack, and it will make report recommendations uh, for the prevention of any future attack. Folks, this um, January 6th insurrection, there's no doubt in my mind, and Tucker, Tucker Carlson covered this because we had video evidence of an individual who worked for the government 
um, telling people ahead of the protest that they should go and march on the actual Capitol building, that they should um, uh, go up and create havoc. And uh, we also know that, of course, Nancy Pelosi was warned ahead of time of, well, from her own intelligence community that people were planning on carrying out something similar to what happened in January 6th. And she didn't bolster security. She didn't add Capitol Police on that day. And we, of course, have video evidence of the Capitol Police opening the doors and without any kind of, well, objection, allowing these individuals to wander around the halls. And now remember... You know, no one was killed except Ashley Babbitt. And I'm not saying that people are right to climb the walls and do this and that. But this is being blown out of proportion. It's being manipulated. And we're being lied about. I mean, Hillary Clinton, as I've said before on this show, I mean, she's still pushing forward this narrative that Brian Sicknick, a Capitol Police officer, was murdered by, by, you know, insurrectionists on January 6th. And it was proven, and CNN even read the head, you know, ran it with the headline and the article that the coroner, the official coroner there in Washington, D.C., ruled that Brian Sicknick died of natural causes. He had a stroke and a heart attack, and that's how he died. So only Ashley Babbitt died. And yet they continue to push this false, dangerous narrative because, folks, the Democrat Party has nothing. Uh, they're in a tailspin. Uh, this country is sp- spiraling out of control. I mean, under their uh, rule, uh, everything is going to hell. All right? Uh, inflation is here. We've got an economy that is being destroyed. We've got, we've got uh, absolute, and, you know, 300% in some cases in Portland, an uptick in violent crimes in all the Democrat cities around this country. Um, you know, the, the, the violent crime is going through the roof. Um, and, and there's no one to blame anymore. It's like the state of California, where you have one-party rule, okay? There's no one to blame for the situation and the problems in California except Democrats because they've owned the state without opposition for years and years and years. And so they need a scapegoat, all right? And the scapegoat is us. And it's not just about us being the scapegoat, folks. You know, the, the Democrat Party is strategic. They understand that they need to change the focus from what's going on at the border and what's going on throughout this country under their policies. Uh, they need to change the focus to something else. They need to keep the narrative focused on Donald Trump, on us, to create some greater evil that doesn't even exist to distract from what they're doing, which is totalitarianism and trying to seize the levers of control and perpetuity in this country. You know, I was going to play more of her, but I'm done with Nancy Pelosi. I'm done with this lie. She doesn't need to be heard anymore for any more people. But uh, she's comparing what happened, of course, uh, and many Democrats have in the past. They've compared January 6th to 9-11. Nearly 3,000 individuals died in a terrorist attack. And they have the audacity to compare January 6th to 9-11. And this commission is styled even, you know, they even pull exact words and phrases from the 9-11 commission, which investigated what happened on that day with with foreign terrorism, uh, you know, foreign terrorism on American soil. 
uh, with, with those quote-unquote insurrectionists. It just didn't happen, folks. But I want to just read something from PJ Media here to, to finish this out with Pelosi. All right, so she talks about the root causes of the January 6th Capitol riot. The white supremacy, the anti-Semitism, the Islamophobia, all the rest of it that was so evident when you see a sweatshirt on one of the people saying Camp Auschwitz. So she's repeating this common and yet completely unsubstantiated claim that the Capitol incident constituted an insurrection. And she, of course, continues to claim that Trump incited the insurrection. I mean, you know, this flies in the face of reality. I mean, if you actually listen to Trump's speech, of course, he told the, the, the demonstrators to be peaceful, to peacefully let their voices be heard. I mean, this is an absolute sham. And now Biden, of course, and his Justice Department are give, being given the green light to go after, uh, you know, anyone who, who opposes the, the Democrat Party. Um, I want to get into something else here. And, and it all goes hand in hand, all right? We've got, oh man, I've got an article here. Here's, here's the headline, folks. You know, this is so hard. Iowa critical race theory teaching docs classify Make America Great Again as white supremacy. Do you understand that? They're linking Trump. They're, they're linking conservatism. They're linking uh, uh, Republicans. Make America Great Again, MAGA to white supremacy. So in Iowa... Uh, teachers were being forced to undergo this mandatory training, which employed critical race theory. Now, if you don't understand critical race theory, I'll break it down very simply. Uh, it teaches people from a very young age that racism is inherent in this country and in our DNA, despite the fact that a young child who's born into this world today doesn't know what racism is. They're taught it. And so these innocent Americans are now going to be taught, if they're white, that they are inherently racist and that they can never escape it. And, and black individuals in this country and other minority groups are going to be taught that they're forever victims of white supremacy. That's what, what, what critical race theory boils down to. It's not about recognizing what happened in our history. That history doesn't matter. No, no white American today has been a slave owner, and no black American's been a slave. This is such a lie, and it's so ridiculous. I mean, you know, what are you supposed to do? You know, I mean, the Holocaust took place much more recently in history as a living memory uh, to the German people than did slavery in this country. That was a much more egregious sin that happened in Nazi Germany than here. Slaves weren't put in gas chambers and murdered to the tune of six million of them. I'm not saying slavery was right. Of course, that's not what I'm saying. I shouldn't even have to say that. But if you're going to compare to two horrific incidents, well, the Holocaust was far worse and far more deadly. Should the German people be taught critical race theory there? That the German people are inherently uh, anti-Semitic? A child who grows up in Germany today who had nothing to do with World War II, who had nothing to do with the Nazi youth, should they be taught that because of the sin of something that happened with other people who are now dead, that they are forever responsible for that horrific act? Of course not. It's suicide. It's stupid. You can't, you can't move past it. It doesn't do the Jewish people any good. It doesn't do uh, uh, the, the German people any good. I mean, look, these things happen. We remember them as horrible things. But, you know, we're not responsible for the crimes of other people. And if we're really going to get into it, this is what I always want to say with the Democrat Party, which is amazing. You know, it's actually the Democrat Party, of course, that was pro-slavery. So if anyone should be responsible and be taught critical race theory, it should only be registered Democrat voters. 
It should only be Democrats in the House and the Senate. It should only be Democratic presidential candidates. They're the ones who should, be have, to, should have to be faced with their brutal history because Republicans are the party of Lincoln. Conservatives today are the party of, uh, of freedom for everyone, the party of individuality, of liberty, of opportunity. That's who we are. These people want to rewrite history. It's not about whitewashing history. It's about eliminating the truth that the Democrat Party is vile. The Democrat Party has always been vile, and they are still vile today. They're the party of the KKK and slavery. So if anyone's a white supremacist, it's the Democrat Party. But I want to tell you about this indoctrination that is critical race theory. So Benny Johnson, who works over at Turning Point USA, so he actually uh, reported these leaked documents and uh, how the presentation of it defines critical race theory as a tool for the destruction of America. So this is a mandatory critical race theory training. This is what they're, they're trying to do for the teachers there, and this is what they want to teach your children, okay? So... The Mississippi Bend, this is in Iowa, Area Education Agency's April and May presentations, which were entitled MBAEA Equity Department Meetings, Anti-Racism, cited at length CRT authors Robin D'Angelo and Ibram X. Kindy in their training. These are all critical race theory uh, racists uh, who've written books about uh, how to destroy America. So D'Angelo, of course, her book's called White Fragility. It was promoted during the session. And this book, by the way, is, is sick, depraved, perverted. It contends that all white people are racist for simply being white. The book argues that, this is a quote from the book, anti-blackness is foundational to our very identities as white people. Do you understand how sick that is, how racist that is? So if you're a white person, you're just black. It's in your DNA. It doesn't matter. How about the um, Africans who sold the slaves to uh, the colonies and England? and everywhere else in this world. That's, that's odd that, that blacks would be um, responsible for that to make a dollar. Doesn't compute. It's all BS. So here we go. Let's keep going with the article, all right? Other terms were laid out in the training as well, including a reference to whiteness. Whiteness itself, of course, refers to the specific dimensions of racism that serve to elevate white people over people of color. The training also refers to the human family. The materials contended that racial justice should be organized by centering blackness and building community, cultural, economic, and political power of black, indigenous, and other people of color. Do you understand how sick that is? Us versus them. Do you know that's how genocides get started, by the way? That's how the argument always goes. Us versus them. You dehumanize another group of people. So... Slide eight, that's one of the slides that's in this presentation being taught to these teachers, of course, okay? So it delves into something called covert white supremacy and included police murdering POC. POC is people of color. The celebration of Columbus Day and the conservative phrase, make America great again. There you go. So make America great again is um, equivalent to murder and uh, indigenous uh, genocide. Unlike traditional civil rights, which embraces step-by-step -step progress, critical race theory questions the very foundations of the liberal order and principles of constitutional law. This is about destroying the Constitution 
It's about the foundation that Barack Obama and other people have sought to destroy for years. It's Marxism, okay? So, you know, the Constitution, which, you know, uh, those of us who are scholarly like myself <clears throat> understand the Constitution has nothing to do with um, preventing any American, any black American, any brown American, any whatever American uh, from having rights. That would be amoral men. And the Constitution wasn't, bor wasn't built for amoral men. And that's always been the problem. That's been proven out. Okay? We the people are created equal. All right? It doesn't say we the rich people, we the white people, we the people. And in fact, that was the very argument that was used to eradicate slavery and fulfill the original creed of America. Had the Constitution not been written that way, we might not have had a civil war. We might not have corrected the sick plague of slavery in this country. And of course, slavery didn't just exist in America. It existed everywhere. Well, in every civilized world, in every civilized nation throughout the world. It was uncivil. But everywhere where there were people, there was slavery. I mean, the Jews were slaves at one point. You've got people right now in China who are slaves. Muslims, the Uyghurs. So this is absolutely sick. So, you know, China, they don't have a problem with, but they want to reach back into our past when none of us were even alive and point to that as an example that America can't overcome it. This is so ridiculous and absurd. You know, we, we had a civil rights movement. 600,000 plus Americans gave their lives, died, a lot of white people, by the way, to end slavery. But no, you know, we, we can't ever get past it. It always has to be a thing. We can't, we can't ever move past it. So this is what they want to teach your children, though, okay? And they want to have your children read these books, White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo, Communist Marxist SOB, a Racial Equity Tools Glossary, stamped from the beginning, the definitive history of racist ideas in America, Eurocentric curriculum. It's... Uh, it's uh, beyond the pale, folks. And that's why it's so important that we fight back against this critical race theory because it's going to destroy this nation. And uh, while we don't have racism in our DNA, despite the Democrats' false claims, uh, critical race theory will inject critical race theory and racism into our children's veins so that inherent racism does exist when we've done so much to abolish it. But uh, what we're experiencing now with um, the federal government targeting people like the individual that I mentioned before in New York who is uh, in his 60s caring for his mother who did nothing wrong but was targeted simply because he went to the Trump rally and the Trump speech at the Capitol. Uh, this is far worse than anything we've experienced in our lifetime. I mean, we got rid of segregation. We got rid of discrimination. And now what do we have today? It's discrimination based on your political philosophy. But um, it's far worse than that, of course. It's very dangerous. And um, when we get back, we're going to get into a couple other issues. We've got, of course, Kamala Harris uh, finally going to the border, except she's uh, 800 miles away uh, from actually where the border crossings are happening. But I guess that's the best she can do. That's something. Uh, we've got a um, newly outed, the first outward gay NFL player. Uh, but, of course, the left hates him as well, even though he's gay, because he apparently was a Trump supporter. How about that, folks, the party of open-mindedness? You know, that's the thing. You know, 
they, they don't actually, they're not for any rights. They're for themselves. And, um, you know, if you don't toe the party line, if you don't do the Democrat party talking points, if you don't pledge your allegiance to the uh, uh, Fourth Reich here, the Democrat party, well, your gayness, your blackness, none of it means anything. It's not worth a hill of beans because it's all about loyalty to that party. And, um, well, we'll be right back. What would Rush Limbaugh say today? That is the question. That is what we will never know. Although I do know, as I opened this program and I suggested that, you know, after those innocent cops who were sitting in their vehicle and were shot through the window and murdered, uh, Rush said, you know, look, it's time to choose sides. You're either for the cops or you're for the mob. For the cops or for the mob. That's what he said. And today, of course, um, maybe he'd say you're for America or for the Democrat Party, as I've suggested. And, um, man, God bless Rush Limbaugh. What a giant. Um, You never know how much you miss something until it's gone. And in this case, you never know, well, until Rush is gone and how much you miss him and how much you depended upon him for his wisdom his uh, erudite commentary on things that are going on in this world. He always broke it down in a simple way. And um, ah, he's, he's irreplaceable. He's irreplaceable. He truly is. But, um, you know, we're going to get into a few other stories here um, before the broadcast is over. But, you know, I want you to understand, you know, when I opened this broadcast, I, I, I talked about how, you know, the— we're less safe today than we were during the Revolutionary War, and, and in fact, in many ways, we're worse off than we were in the years preceding the Civil War. And, uh, you know, Rudy Giuliani was just suspended from practicing law. Did you hear about this? That's right. He was suspended from practicing law in New York over election law statements. So I want to read some of this to you, and I will expose, as only I can, um, in my way. Um... Everything that's wrong with this and what it represents in terms of danger to our republic because free speech is now uh, verboten in this country. And, um, well, the Constitution is no longer followed. And the reason I keep bringing up also the Civil War and the reason I say, well, Joe Biden's right, you know, we haven't been this divided since the Civil War, but this country hasn't been on the precipice of another Civil War since the Civil War. That's also true. And that's because... You know, when you have um, a segment of the population, the Democrat Party and Democrats, who have um, rules of their own, who feel they're above the law, while those of us who want to be constitution-abiding, lovers of freedom and liberty, are subjected to unconstitutionality, well, at some point, well, this can't continue. It just can't. So on Thursday, a New York court suspended former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani from practicing law in New York State due to false and misleading statements regarding former President Donald Trump's 2020 election law. So um, 
Well, AOC, uh, Ilhan Omar, and others in the Democrat Party can make uh, anti-Semitic remarks. They can make false statements. They can, they can promote Russia collusion, which was fabricated by the Clinton campaign in the DNC for four years, and still sits comfortably with tax-paid salaries, taxpayer-funded um, paid salaries, without any consequence. But, um, <clears throat> well, here we go. According to CNBC, the suspension of Rudy Giuliani issued just one day shy of Giuliani's 52nd anniversary as a licensed New York lawyer takes place immediately. Giuliani had previously served as the U.S. attorney in Manhattan as well as a top Justice Department official. This was an accomplished guy, by the way. Uh, he's widely touted even still as uh, being a very successful mayor, Republican mayor of New York City, who got rid of crime and, uh, well, made that city a great success. Well, his suspension, Rudy Giuliani's, was pursued by the Attorney Grievance Committee for the First Judicial Department, which includes Manhattan, and was granted by the Appellate Division for that same Department of State Supreme Court. These are activist judges who um, don't care anything about the Constitution, by the way, um, who believe the Constitution is a living, breathing document that they can interpret, misconstrue, and destroy uh, as they wish. It's a breakdown of the justice system. It's a breakdown of the Constitution. But anyway, they issued this 33-page suspension order, and the court states that interim suspension is a serious remedy available only in situations where it is immediately necessary to protect the public from an attorney's violations of the rules of professional conduct, according to CNBC. We're going to get into this and show how disgraceful this is and how unconstitutional it is. So they say, we conclude that there is uncontroverted evidence that respondent communicated demonstrably false and misleading statements to courts lawmakers and the public at large in his capacity as lawyer for former President Donald J. Trump and the Trump campaign in connection with Trump's failed effort at re-election in 2020. Now, remember that Hillary Clinton, for example, uh, still does not believe that she lost in 2016. She continues to say that the Russians uh, gave Trump his victory. And uh, just like Stacey Abrams in Georgia and her failed bid for the governorship, uh, who continues to claim that um, she should be the governor of, of Georgia. Um, you know, that's okay because they're Democrats, I guess, you know, and they don't face any consequences uh, for their free speech. So the court added that Giuliani's false statements were made to improperly bolster respondents' narrative that due to widespread voter fraud, victory in the 2020 United States presidential election was stolen from his client. We can conclude... Well... An example cited by the court order was a repeated claim from Giuliani that numerous dead people voted in Philadelphia. Well, we know that numerous dead people voted, not just in Philadelphia, but in other uh, cities, states, counties throughout the country because they didn't, uh, get they didn't clean their voter rolls. We know this is a matter of fact. In fact, right now in, um, in uh, Arizona, for example, or in Georgia as well, uh, they're purging the voting rolls as we speak. It's a little late, of course, but there are over 100,000 people that they have determined um, have either moved, they're dead, et cetera. They shouldn't be on the voter rolls. 
So Giuliani was correct. But also, you know, let, let me just put it this way. If you're a lawyer and you protect, uh, you know, let's say you're a, a, you know, state attorney or something like that, a public servant who is, um, you know, you, you're given a job to be a defendant, for example, of some murder uh, or any kind of prosecutor, even in a prosecutor's capacity. You know, you're trying to make a case for your client. And um, you, 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 in many cases, uh, you bring up evidence, you do everything you can to uh, win the case. And, of course, Rudy Giuliani did nothing wrong. Um, he did what any attorney would do. You know, you're hired by a client to defend them and bring their case into court. And you're not judged uh, after the fact because based on an opinion of a judge or some bar that they disagree with you, they disagree with your claims, they disagree with your case, and then you're disbarred for that. Well, this is what's happened to Rudy Giuliani because he defended President Trump. So he's lost his uh, license to practice law after decades of being a very successful and powerful attorney. Um, and the witch hunt continues. Nobody is safe. I want to explain to you, make this very clear to you. You know, we've got an example of an American citizen in New York that I've already mentioned who just by his presence at a Trump rally in D.C. on the day of the insurrection had his door broken down and had a gun pointed in his face because uh, some Marxist, communist SOB, as I mentioned, reported him to the FBI uh, has had his life destroyed. And I have Rudy Giuliani who can't practice law because of um, the antics of the Democrat Party and this police state that we're living in right now. This is um, shocking. But to, to, to change subjects here, did you know that Israel is bringing back indoor masks? Do you know, by the way, Israel... Um, is one of the most vaccinated countries on the face of the earth. 63% of the Israeli population has been vaccinated to date. Now that's 63% um, as of, I don't know, a couple weeks ago or so, included people that got maybe a first dose of the vaccination, but not the second. But, you know, nonetheless, 63% of their entire population in Israel has been vaccinated. And they've really forced this on the people and pushed it. And that's one of the disgraces of Israel, by the way, what they've done in terms of uh, how they've handled this situation because it's very totalitarian in nature. So they've got one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. And uh, they are now uh, putting their masks back on indoors. Now, I thought that masks were supposed to prevent the spread of COVID. And then I thought that vaccinations were supposed to prevent the spread of COVID. So now you've got vaccinated Israelis who are being forced to wear masks. I mean, is there no end to this uh, COVID tyranny, by the way? So I'm going to read the article for you. Israel's bringing back its indoor mask mandates as the country sees a rise in coronavirus cases, particularly from the Delta variant. Do you understand this is never going away if the totalitarians have their way? There's always going to be a new variant. It's like the flu. Every year you have a new strain. That's how viruses work. So coronavirus is our Nachman Ash said Thursday, the indoor mask mandate will return next week, along with encouraging people not to travel abroad. The Times of Israel reported, I call on the public to consider whether traveling abroad is essential. It is highly advisable to avoid non-essential travel abroad. 
Well, what are we supposed to do? Sit here and wait for what? I mean, some other vaccination, some other what? I mean, what, what, you know, you know we're, we're supposed to applaud the vaccination. We're supposed to get the vaccination so that we can go and enjoy our lives and have our freedom and our unalienable rights again. And now people are getting the vaccination, and that's not even enough. Now we got to mask up again. I mean, th- this is so sick, folks. And I, I, I warned about this in my book, Uncommon Sense. And my God, you should read it. Um, it's available on Amazon. But I wrote this back in no- last November in the midst of all this, and I predicted. I said, look, you know, you know, this ruse, this 15 days to slow the spread in this country, in this case, you know, um, y- y- well, we were, we were lied to. You know, 15 days, okay? We'll give our freedom for 15 days for the public good. That's fine. But it turned into over a year in the case of California and other places. I'm not lucky enough to live in Florida. I live in California. And that was the case in, in many places. And, uh, you know, once you give up your freedom or once it's taken away, I mean, come on. I mean, it's very hard to get it back. I mean, what are you going to do? Go ask for it again? The precedent's been set. Please give me my freedom back. What do you think these totalitarians are going to do? They wanted to. They wanted this to happen. They wanted to change the. They wanted to fundamentally transform the way we viewed our government in this country. You know, we were the master, and our government was the servant. That's what the Constitution says. And so now we're in a situation where people have changed their thinking. They've given the government power. They've admitted, okay, well, yeah, you're the masters. You grant us our rights. You know, that's, that's the anti-American thing. That was the danger of, you know, what happened over the past year was COVID. It was, um, it was this reversal of 245 years or so of progress in which, you know, we made the revolutionary declaration back in 1776 that, hey, after 2,000 plus years of, Ameri- uh, of, of world history, under totalitarians and kings and so on and so forth. No, our rights don't come from kings. They don't come from man. They come from our creator. You don't grant them. You don't take them away. They're ours, period. You can't touch them. But here we are today, and uh, unfortunately, Republicans and Democrats believe that, well, the government grants them our rights. You know, in California, we're sitting here on pins and needles. Oh, what's going to happen next? You know, uh, can, we, can we not wear a mask? Can we wear a mask? Do we have to get vaccinated? You know, can we wipe our own you-know-whats? You know, that's where we are. But let's go back to the article in Israel. So the health ministry says 26 patients in Israel are currently in critical condition from the virus, with 84% of those getting seriously sick being unvaccinated. The highly contagious Delta variant, which was first identified in India, is showing up in an estimated 70% of the new Israeli cases. The United Kingdom, okay, is also reporting its highest coronavirus case count since February, with the Delta variant being a contributing factor. Do you know that 80% of the adult population in the UK is vaccinated? At least has their first dose. 80% of the adult population in the UK. So they've got the vaccine. And uh, COVID is, is rampant still. So, you know, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news for those of you who've gotten the vaccination in this uh, uh, emergency issue authorization, but it doesn't seem to be working. Um, so anyway, there we are. This is not going to go away yet. They're not ready to relinquish control. And uh, let's hope that we don't follow the route of Israel, bringing back indoor masks. All right. You know, that's, that's the thing that Americans need to realize, you know? I mean, that's why these things are serious. They have long-term consequences and set precedent. It's very important that we understand what it means to be an American at all times. 
You know, it's just like being married. You know, every, every day you wake up, you make a decision that you are devoted to this person, that you understand what marriage means. And when you stop being active, when you stop being intentional about those feelings, you know, that's when things break down. And that's what's happening here. Um, we've got a, a, well, let's have a little fun with this story. Here's a headline. Transgender runner known for dominating the women's track disqualified from U.S. Olympic trials. This is actually awesome. I love this story, folks. Um, so a young transgender woman, that means she's a man, a biological man. So she's not a woman at all. She just cut off her stuff maybe and I don't know, whatever. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, no, no, it's a man. Okay, so a young transgender woman, a man, known for crushing his female, his female opponents in college track and field championships, has been disqualified from participating in the upcoming U.S. Olympic trials. C.C. Telfer, formerly named Craig Telfer. Well, that's not as creative as, like, uh, what was the Jenner's name? Uh, uh, man, well, he went all out, right? Bruce Jenner, and now it's um, Caitlyn Jenner. See, you know, that's a that's then you understand you know Bruce to to Bruce to Caitlin but this is Craig to Cece so I don't know they didn't do as good a job naming renaming themselves but anyway this individual this man who claims to be a woman and competes in women's sports is notorious for winning the 400 meter women's hurdles at the NCAA Division II outdoor track and field championships so, so this is so funny I mean it's not even in this NCAA Division One so this. This man was such a pathetic athlete and couldn't compete with men that he had to become a woman and go to Division II NCAA to win against women. Cece, you weren't born to be a track and field star. That's all I have to say. I'm sorry. So uh, Telfer was entered in this week's trials, but was ultimately not allowed to compete because of guidelines World Athletics released in 2019 that closed off international women's events of between 400 meters and a mile to athletes who did not meet the eligibility requirements. Now, let's get into the eligibility requirements because this is awesome. Okay. The requirement that he reportedly failed to meet Stipulated. I also love, by the way, this article continues to call she, he, because it is a he. Um, so so the, the requirement stipulated that his testosterone level had to be below 5 nanomoles per liter for at least 12 months. Data from the Mayo Clinic Laboratory shows that the average testosterone level for a woman is between 0.3 and 2.4 nanomoles per liter, meaning, therefore... That Telfer's testosterone level is at least double that of biological women. I mean, I don't know what else needs to be said. I mean, <laughs> you can't, if you're, if you're born a man, you just can't become a woman, a woman, okay? I mean, this person's done everything they can. God bless you, Telfer. And uh, unfortunately, despite all your efforts, your testosterone levels still aren't as low as a woman's. So anyway, this fact didn't stop him from competing against biological women in college sports where he continually dominated his opponents. Is this supposed to be something we're proud of or you're proud of? I mean, you can't compete with men as a man, so then you go and compete against women to feel good about yourself and have success. I mean, this is such a joke, but you know, this is great. So do you know, so in 2016, Craig Telfer's ranked 200th, I guess, you know, in these competitions. 2017, 
So a year later, after putting in more work, Craig Telfer's ranked 390th. So this, this guy, when he's a man, goes from 200th ranked to 390th ranked. So then in 2018, Craig Telfer transitions to female, all right? So, and then 2019, so 16 to 17, 17 to 18. So three years later, after being a failure and becoming a female, CC Telfer finally becomes national champion. That's great. That's not a meritocracy, folks. Uh, that's sad. And to continue to look, you know, I relate it this way. Um, you know, if you if you're a man or a woman and think you're the opposite sex, like that's a mental illness. Look, if you're 18 plus and you want to do it, that's your that's that's your that is your right. You can do it. And I'm not gonna treat you differently. I'm not gonna treat you poorly. Um, you know, I am a Christian. And I do love other people. Um, but I love alcoholics as well. And um, if you want to go and drink, you know, two bottles of Jack Daniels, two handles of Jack Daniels every night, don't come to me and expect from me and demand of me that I tell you that that's healthy, that that's good for you. Yeah, sure, that's your right. You can go and drink yourself to death. But um, it's not my... It's not required of me to tell you that it's a good idea and that it's healthy. And that's the same thing with the transgender stuff. You know, if you want to do it, that's your right. Just as it's your right to do all kinds of other things. Uh, but don't demand that I sit here and say, yeah, awesome. Good for you. Because it's not good for you. You know, uh, a woman who thinks he's a man or a man who thinks he's a woman, she's a woman. What? I don't care. I can't do it. I can't keep up with it all. You know, unfortunately, you have a mental illness. Just like I can't be a, a donkey. And I'm not going to put up with this crap about choosing your pronoun. Although, I don't know if you heard, by the way, uh, we just had Kamala Harris uh, uh, tell us, finally, that her pronouns are she and her. So why is that a thing? I mean, yeah, you're a woman. She and her are your pronouns. So I don't know why that's such a big thing as she feels the need to make the statement. In fact, that should offend people that she chose she and her because it shows she's not down for the woke cause. But let's talk about the Democrats so I don't know if you know this, but um, uh, we have an openly gay NFL player. I'm going to read this article. And this is funny because liberals backtrack quickly. So liberals initially held out high praise for Las Vegas Raiders defensive lineman Carl Nassib after he came out as the NFL's one of the first openly gay players on an active roster. But some appear to have changed their minds after he was rumored to be a Republican voter and supporter of former President Donald Trump. On Monday, Nasib took to Instagram to reveal his sexual preference. Man, if you were looking for a Colin Kaepernick deal, dude, you're screwed. You know, your jersey's going to be burned because, you know, your, your Trump supportingness, your Republicanness, your conservative nature um, <laughs> makes your gayness obsolete, Nasib. So anyway, just stick with us, the conservatives, because we love you. God bless you. Do what you're going to do. Uh, we actually don't care about, you know, it doesn't, it, you know, it actually is irrelevant to me that you come out as gay, like whatever. If that's good for you, that's good for you. But I, I, it doesn't change anything for me. Actually, I didn't even know who you were, but anyway. Anyway, but within a few days thus far, unsubstantiated reports that he's a Republican who supports the former president surfaced, earning him condemnation and scorn from some of the same people who first hailed his decision to go public. Uh, and I, uh, uh, here we go. Here's, I don't know who this person is, but a Twitter user wrote, I'm proud of and support Carl Nassib for coming out, dot, 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 dot. Unless he's a Trump supporter, then that is just problematic. 
Here's another one. What Carl Nassib did was great, but apparently he's a Republican and huge Trump fan, which probably does just as much damage to gay people as anything else. This is amazing. You know, this myth that conservatives, Republicans hate gays. I mean, this is so stupid. I mean, you have Rick Grinnell, who is the acting DNI, you know, head of the Department of National Intelligence under Trump. Uh, he's gay. Uh, nobody cared. Uh, we welcome these people with open arms. You know what we demand in America? That you love America. That's what we demand. Where we draw the line is when you, um, uh, well, defecate on this country and try and uh, burn it to the ground. Um, and to jump back into one more thing here, we're, you know, we're kind of at the end of the show here. Uh, you know, we've had a lot to get into. I've spent a lot of time on, of course, uh, well, the targeting of, of innocent Americans and uh, the totalitarian nature of the Democrat Party, because that's not going away, and that's the most important thing we focus on. But we have an article here, FDA to add heart warning for Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccines. So finally now, of course, apparently they're adding a heart warning for Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccines. Now this, of course, comes on the heels of the fact that the revelations that young people, 18 and under, and maybe a little bit older as well, um, have developed some very serious symptoms and died as a direct result of taking this vaccine. So all of you Democrats, of course, who say that you know, if it saves one life, you know, we have to do something about it. Well, um, this is pretty serious because thousands of, of people, Americans, who uh, got this vaccine, which had no reason to get the vaccine. I mean, the young and healthy population in this country, one, if they, get, if they got COVID, uh, they would develop immunity that was superior to anything that could be gotten from getting the vaccine. And two, they weren't at risk to begin with. They were asymptomatic. And so, you know, if you're going to just weigh the pros and cons, the, the, the risk factors, you know, there's no reason for a young, healthy person to get this vaccine when people can die from it. So here we go. The move follows the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, reporting roughly 1,200 cases of heart inflammation conditions occurring primarily in young men after receiving the mRNA jabs. The advisory panel said there is a likely association between the condition and the mRNA vaccines, which teach cells to make, it doesn't matter, whatever. So the warning would likely include information stating these events have occurred in some vaccine recipients following dose two of mRNA vaccines, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. So the heart inflammation, this condition, it typically occurs within several days to a week following the vaccination. And uh, the facts are clear, they say. This is an extremely rare side effect, and only an exceedingly small number of people will experience it after vaccination. Well, people are dying from this. Um, why are we not taking this seriously? Um, it, you know, if you're a person who is demanding that a young person get a vaccine, you're a stupid person. Uh, and you're kind of a sick person, to be honest. Because if, if the odds, if the statistical odds of a young person a child dying from COVID are statistically zero, and yet there's evidence that they could die of this heart inflammation issue that is now believed to be directly related to getting the COVID shot. Why would you get the COVID shot to begin with? Anyway. Um, well, I, I, I promised we'd get to a clip of uh, Joe Biden. And of course, You've heard it everywhere. You've heard what Joe Biden said about, uh, you know, you and I need nukes and F-15s if we're going to go against the government. 
But you haven't heard my commentary on it yet, of course, and that's why you're listening to this program. But uh, let me play the short clip of Joe Biden here saying it, and then I'll get into my unique insight into what I think about the comment. Well, the tree of liberty is not water in the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. Honestly, the most surprising thing to me there is just how brain dead he is. I mean, how far gone he is. How, well, he's a prime specimen for the quote-unquote 25th Amendment to get rid of somebody who's brain dead and incapable of leading, thinking, serving, and defending this nation. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you just heard the clip, right? The tree of liberty, the beloved service, are never... The, I mean, the guy, the guy, like, is totally incoherent. And, um, well, you know, it, it's sad. It's sad, actually, you know, because he's somebody's grandfather. Um, and, uh, you know, <clears throat> I feel bad. You know, I mean, this guy has a wonderful son named Hunter Biden who uh, sleeps with prostitutes and does cocaine on their um, butt cracks and um, throws away his illegal weapons and um, engages in all sorts of manner of illegal activities and sleeps with his um, brother's, deceased brother's wife. And I mean, you know, this is a great, great father uh, to a great son named Hunter Biden. So anyway, I feel for him. But anyway, apart from that, you know, I was not surprised by this. You know, many people are, I, I, I think people just want to react to things or looking for something to be, uh, you know, reactive to with Joe Biden. And, you know, this is just par for the course. I mean, this is not surprising. This is what the Democrat Party thinks of the American citizen, right? They condescend to us. They believe that they are master and we are slave. And that's really the takeaway from this. This is nothing new. This is this could have been out of Obama's mouth or anybody else's mouth in the Democrat Party, you know? Well, if they're going to come against us and they think that, you know, uh, this country and the American people are free and, you know, they don't like the government and they're going to overthrow the government, well, they're going to need nukes and F-15s. I mean, yes, of course, what kind of president says that? What kind of president seems to threaten the American people and the citizen? But this is who the Democrat Party is. They do threaten the American citizen. As we've talked about ad nauseum now, they are threatening the American citizen. So, you know, of course, the way he says it, it seems awfully harmless because the poor guy is suffering from, well, obviously cognitive decline, whether you want to classify it as Alzheimer's or something else. But, um, you know, this is what they do, and this is what they think of you and me. And that's why we're why this situation is so very dangerous, because we have a government that is unhinged, who is lawless, who doesn't, well... I guess you don't understand also the history of this country because it is actually outright and it's written and the founders talked about it that when a government becomes like a King George III, uh, monarchical, tyrannical, well, it is our right to overthrow them. And that's why this is so dangerous because uh, we are in a perilous circumstance in which we've never been more divided since the Civil War. And here you have a guy basically, you know, Fueling the flames, fueling the fire. He's playing with fire here in making that statement. Uh, so that's what, what this is all about. And, of course, you had Jill Biden going to North Carolina and, you know, the people boo her when she condemns them because they haven't reached her, uh, well, preferred vaccination rate in the population. And they boo her and she says, well, you're, 
you only have yourselves to boo, or you know, you should boo yourselves for not getting there. So this is the Democrat Party. They hate you and me. I'll be right back. I uh I just want to say again to you. Because, you know, I understand that life is busy. We're all working. We have jobs and things like that. But it's really time for everyone to get their heads out of the sand and understand how dire and serious the situation is in America. And the question, of course, always is, well, what can I do? What do I do? Well, you know, the reason I sit behind this microphone, the reason I got politically activated is because I see the stakes. And um, I boil down our, our, our problems in this country to, well, being lazy for taking things for granted in this country and the freedom. And as Reagan said, you know, uh, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. It has to be fought for and defended. And uh, too many Republicans that are much older than me, as a mere 34-year-old, have been asleep at the wheel. And, um, you know, we didn't get to this point overnight. It's been decades in the making. And uh, as they say, the chickens have come home to roost. And what we have to do is be vocal and outspoken, and we need to take this threat seriously. We can't be silent. We can't be ashamed because, um, you know, to go full circle, you know, we haven't been more divided since the Civil War, and uh, that's a very, very serious thing to consider because uh, Abraham Lincoln, when, when he was in his late 20s, nearly 20 years before the Civil War, broke out, he warned the American people that such an occurrence could come to fruition, could come to bear, because you had mob rule back then. You had, um, uh, in his words, you know, his fear was that people were no longer abiding by the Constitution. They were, there was lawlessness, and that's what we have today. And if we want to save this country, you know, we could save this country tomorrow if every American, every child— uh, every politician would swear on their sacred honor and lives to abide by the Constitution, to demand that the law be followed, and to follow it themselves. But uh, that's not what we have happening today in this country. And uh, you are either for the Constitution in America or against the Constitution in America, and it's as simple as that. And... Um, you know, I'm just grateful to be here talking to you again. And I, um, you know, I've said it before, I want to keep doing this more. And I love the opportunity to talk to you and to, to talk about what I know about this country and to express how much I love this country and how much I appreciate you listening to the show. And, you know, to end on kind of a funny note, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, I'd, I've only been doing this for a few weeks now. Um, some of you may know me from my writing, from my uh, interviews, whether they're on uh, you know different TV or, or on the radio, because I do a lot of that. But uh, you know, as a millennial, you know, I was born in the wrong generation. I really, I really have the soul of somebody born long ago, and I'm not technologically advanced. I don't like that stuff. I don't even like being on social media. When I, when my publicist told me how to get on Twitter, I was. I was tearing my hair out, you know, because I hate that stuff. It's a cesspool. But you got to be on there and you got to promote things and promote yourself and get your voice out there to be heard. But um, anyway, long story short, 
this episode will sound beautiful and crisp and clear because until now, uh, I have a microphone and you'll notice a difference, but I, I've, I've not been using it. I've been making a mistake in my program that I record on, and so I've been trying to figure out what the heck's going on. And then today, of course, staring me straight in the face like my wife would, you know, slap me across the head here because it's like your keys, you know, they're in front of your face. You say, where are they? Where are they? Well, there they are. Well, I didn't have my microphone hooked up, and I was speaking through the computer. So uh, shame on me. But I'm not a fool, so it won't happen again. And um, uh, anyway, thanks for listening today. I can't wait to be with you again next time. And um, do me a favor, share this with your friends, especially millennials, because the more people we can get to listen to these ideas we talk about, those beliefs that you know make this country work and can save this country, and to tell people honestly, you know, I'm a, I mean, I'm a, well, I don't feel young, but I'm relatively young. I mean, there's obviously younger people in 34, but, you know, this is what we need. It's, and it's not about me. It's about me uh, encouraging another, and it's about you encouraging another, and it's about this spread, because what we're having right now in this country is a Marxist cancer that's spreading through this country, and the only, you know, there's no Superman coming. Look in the mirror, because you're Superman. Take off your glasses, whatever it takes, but you are Superman. We, the people, are Superman, and uh, we've been in difficult situations before, and we're going to get through this together, and uh, I am glass half full. And I'm going to keep doing everything I can to spread the word and talk about these issues. But um, God bless you all. And I hope you all have a wonderful weekend, a wonderful Friday. And um, spend time with your families. Uh, you know, things are, things are dire right now. But it's also important that we recognize uh, the blessings that we have around us. And those blessings still include this country and our friends and family. Um, so God bless you all. And as I say, until next time. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen has Drew died Allen. hard conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.